0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the precious gift it is to have your word. Lord, when we read the Bible, we're not reading just the words of men, but we're reading the words of the living God. Lord, we pray that you may help us to understand why you have included what we are to look at this morning. Help us to understand what is meant for us from this part of your word how it commends Jesus Christ to us, your precious and only Son. And we pray that the Christians here this morning may be encouraged as they hear what Jesus says to Mary. And we pray that non-Christians may be able to understand that Jesus really did rise from the dead, that it is historical fact. And we pray that they may accept it and believe in him for themselves. And we pray this in your Son's precious name. Amen. Well, I'm not someone who likes surprises. I'm not a fan of them. I like to know what's coming. And so Jill knows very clearly that she is never to throw me a surprise party that surprise parties aren't for me. I like to come home and know who's going to be in the house and not be surprised that there's this whole bunch of people that are there uh, for my benefit. Surprises aren't something I'm interested in. But some surprises are okay, and particularly surprise meetings. When you meet someone that you weren't expecting to meet and they're someone that you're particularly close to and maybe someone that you haven't seen for a very long time and you weren't expecting to see them in the place that you are, and it's wonderful to suddenly see them. And that's what we're looking at this morning. We're uh, Last Easter, we began looking at John chapter 20. And this morning, we're up to verse 17 to 18, which is just after Mary has seen that Jesus is alive. So in verse 16 of John chapter 20, Jesus has turned to her and said, Mary, and she's turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And that's what we're going to look at this morning is, what does Jesus say to her in this first surprise meeting to Mary? Because whenever you meet someone and it's a surprise, you're very interested in what they've got to say. You want to hear from them, you want to hear what they've been up to, and if you've got any questions for them, you're very interested as to what they're going to say to you at this surprise meeting that you're having with them. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, is what does Jesus say to her as his first words after he has been raised from the dead? He's been crucified, he was buried, now he's alive again, and he's able to speak. What does he choose to say to Mary? And he's got two commands for her. In verses 17 and 18, we see the fulfillment of that command. So I encourage you, if you've got a black church Bible there, to have it open to page 1074. chapter 20 of John's Gospel, and we'll be looking at verse 17 and 18, and particularly the two commands that Jesus gives to to Mary. And the first command is, Mary, do not hold on to me. So my first main point this morning is, Mary is not to hold on to Jesus. I've got three main points, they're on the back of the church bulletin there, or no, in the inside of the church bulletin if you want to follow along. And my first one is, Mary is not to to hold on to Jesus. Why? Why is she not meant to hold on to him? This is one of those texts in the Bible that's heavily debated for a number of reasons, people trying to work out why does Jesus say she can't, Mary cannot touch him. Some think that Jesus is just rejecting all forms of affection, that he is now in a resurrected state and so you're not supposed to touch me. Or some even say that he's not bodily resurrected at this point, that it's just a spirit in there and he's still yet to uh, get his his physical body. But that's, uh, I think, uh, completely wrong, uh, that we do see that Jesus is uh, bodily resurrected here. But is he rejecting all forms of affection? Particularly, some say, from a woman in a secluded garden, here's this guy and this woman's wanting to hold on to him. Is he rejecting all forms of affection? But we see that Jesus uh, doesn't reject affection, particularly before he is uh, he's, he's crucified at the cross. We see another Mary is permitted to anoint his feet and wipe his feet with her hair. So it's not that he's got a problem with women touching him and showing affection to him. It's a great display of affection. I um, haven't had a woman do that to me. Pour perfume on my feet and wipe. Uh, my feet with her hair. But if she did, it would be implying something of uh, a great adoration and affection. Uh, and Jesus was happy for that to happen to him. So it's not that he's got a problem with that. And then you might say, oh, well, that's before his death. After his death, we do see people touch him. Uh, we see in Matthew's gospel, a little bit after this, that the women see Jesus and they clasp his feet with their hands. So they're allowed to touch his feet and then a little later in John uh, chapter 20, we didn't read it this morning, but it's just on the on the next page over, we see Thomas being allowed to touch Jesus and particularly to touch uh Jesus' hands and his side. If you just jump over to verse uh 27 of John's gospel on the very next page over, John 20 verse uh John chapter 20 verse 27, we see Jesus say at verse 27, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I've got a physical body, he's proving to Thomas, and you're allowed to touch it. You're allowed to touch where the nails were, you're allowed to touch where my side was speared by that Roman soldier. And the other reason I think we can say that Jesus is quite okay with being touched is because the command here that he gives Mary is not so much don't touch me, don't start touching me, In the Greek, it is more the sense of stop something you've already started. There's different ways of um, giving prohibitions and commands in the Greek, and it is the sense of stop touching me, not don't start touching me. So Mary's already touching him. Uh, He hasn't got a problem with her touching him at some point. It's okay, and we see that happen later on with Thomas. So Jesus isn't one of these people who doesn't like to be touched. You know how some people, you put a hand on their shoulder and they say, touch me again and I'll snap your arm off. That's not Jesus. Jesus uh, hasn't got that attitude that he doesn't like to be touched. No, uh, he's willing for people to touch him. So then why does he say, stop touching me? Do not hold on to me, he says. Why does he do that? Well, we are given a reason in the text. Uh Jesus said verse 17, do not hold on to me, and then we're given the reason. The little word for is always a good word to watch out for because it usually implies some sort of reason or because. Uh so we have do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the father. The reason why Mary can't hold on to him is because he hasn't returned to the father. Well, what does that mean? Is that a helpful reason for us to be suddenly understand what's going on now? What's it mean that he's returning to the father? Well, the reference to returning to the Father is about Jesus' ascension, that he was going back to heaven and would be glorified by God and sit at the right hand of God. And that hasn't happened yet. Jesus, after his resurrection, sticks around on earth for about 40 days and uh, sees a lot of people during that time. And then he ascends up. It's at the beginning of Acts. If you want to read it this afternoon, Acts chapter 1, you can read there about Jesus going up, ascending into heaven. Jesus is saying here, I haven't yet done that. That's why you can't uh, continue hanging on to me. Is that help? Does that help explain why he's saying stop? I'm going. I haven't gone back to the Father. Well, no. It still doesn't make much sense. What does he mean that it's a good reason that I haven't gone back, and that's why you've got to stop touching me? Well, there's two reasons uh, that I think uh, I can't really choose between them, and I think maybe he implies both. The first is that Jesus is saying, you can't hang on to me forever. You think about what Mary's emotions would be like at this point. She's seen someone that she loves so dearly. She's seen him go to trial, condemned even though he was innocent, and then beaten and then crucified on a cross not just put to death but crucified a shameful horrific torturous death she has witnessed that happen and then she has witnessed him die and then be placed in a tomb she thought she wasn't seeing him again at all not like he was going away on holidays and she thought I'm not going to see him for a while she thought that was it The man that I love so dearly is not here on earth anymore for me to love. And now he's here, right there, full of life. He's been restored. He's there. So of course she's going to want to hug him and touch him and hang on to him. And it's it's like uh, if um, you lose your child in a supermarket. I haven't done that yet. I was lost as a child in a supermarket, but I... I, um, Uh, so I didn't feel the distress uh, but my parents did and I know many parents have done it and when you get the child back what do you do? you'd want to hang on to that child and get a little bit angry probably with it if you want to blame it for running off and you hang on to it and don't want to let it go for quite some time and that's what Mary is doing here I think she's hanging on to Jesus for dear life like I lost him before I'm not going to lose the guy again I'm hanging on to him and not letting go And so Jesus probably let her clutch him for quite some time. And now he's saying, okay, that's enough, Mary. You um, Don't hang on to me forever because I'm yet to go back to the Father. And so what he's implying is there will be a time for hanging on to me bodily. And that's in heaven. You're going to be with me for an eternity in heaven. There's plenty of time for you to give me hugs in heaven. Now is not the time. You've got to stop hanging on to me right now. And the other reason that he could be saying this is, uh, and implying that the ascension is the reason why she can't hang on to him, is because he's saying, I haven't yet ascended yet, so I'm going to be around for a while. Just let me go for now, and you can hug me later. I'm going to be around for about 40 days, and, uh, and you can hang on to me, meet up with me, speak to me, give me hugs again in the future. There's time for hugs in heaven is one reason. The other reason might be there's time for hugs here on earth before I ascend. That's why he's saying, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. That's why you have to stop touching me right now. And this, both of those reasons fit in nicely with what we're told, he, the second command is that Jesus gives to her. He says, I have a job for you to do. And that's not to hold on to me. The job is something else. And if you keep hanging on to me, you can't do that job. What is that job? What is the second command that Jesus gives to Mary? Well, my second main point is that command is that Mary is to talk to the disciples. And we see that in verse 17 as well. Verse 17 of John chapter 20 reads, Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary's job is not to hang on to Jesus. Her job is to go and tell the disciples something. What is she to tell the disciples? Well, she's got a couple of things to tell them. One is, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. I am returning to the Father. I'm going to ascend. So she's got to go and tell them that Jesus is going up to be glorified by God. That's one of the things that she's meant to tell them. What else? Well, there's other things that are there in the text. I'm returning to my father and your father. He's telling her to go and tell the disciples that they are brothers with Jesus Christ and God is their father. What a warm way of describing the disciples' relationship to Jesus and to God particularly after what has just happened remember what happens at the cross and at the arrest of Jesus where are the disciples when he's arrested in the garden they flee, they desert their friend, their teacher their God They leave him high and dry to fend for himself. The shame that they must be feeling at this point. The disappointment, of course, that Jesus is not the one that they expected him to be. But there must be great shame that they did not die with him, particularly Peter with his three denials of even knowing Jesus Christ. We see him weep bitterly when he recognizes that that is what he's done. He must be feeling great shame at this point. And if Jesus was to come, very nervous about Jesus' attitude towards him. But what does Jesus say? Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm returning to my father and your father. I consider you my brothers. I forgive you deserting me and not standing up for me, and even denying knowledge of me. You are my brothers. This is a wonderful piece of news for Mary to take back to the disciples. And also, what else does she say, meant to say, to my God and your God. Jesus is wanting to affirm here a piece of news for the disciples to hear that God exists and that God is their God. He's not some abstract God who is other people's God and has no power. No, the God who made everything raised me from the dead and he is also your God. And so you're going to be okay. You've got the God of the universe looking after you just like the God of the universe looked after me and raised me to life. This is wonderful news for Mary to take to the disciples, that Jesus is alive, that he is ascending to all glory and power and that they are brothers to Jesus and that God exists and is their God. So does Mary follow this command? Yes, she does. She stops holding on to Jesus and what does she do? She goes to the disciples. Verse 18 of John 20, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told him that he had said these things to her. So we see there, she adds a little bit in, I have seen the Lord, that he is alive. Jesus didn't say, tell them that you've seen me, but it's implied. If he's ascending, well, then he's very much alive. He's not dead in the grave anymore. So she's the first witness there of the resurrection to the disciples, that Jesus is alive. I have seen him. He's bodily resurrected, and he's ascending to the Father And you are his brothers, and God is your God. Mary does her job very well there, of not just hanging on to Jesus like she'd like to, but going and doing the job that that Jesus assigns her. So, what is the lesson for us? It's all about Mary and Jesus. What is the lesson for us? Well, the message is to be like Mary. Be like Mary. That's my third main point. Be like Mary. Don't seek to hold on bodily to Jesus Christ right now, at the moment. You don't need some bodily appearance of Jesus Christ to you before you will believe and to encourage you to be a follower of Jesus Christ and strengthen you in the faith. Many people, that's what they want. They want Jesus bodily to appear right before them. Then they will believe. Then they will be encouraged. And if a Christian is really depressed, they say, if Jesus was right here, he'd be able to help me and I'd be able to work hard for him. But no, that's not what we're given. We've got to be like Mary and be satisfied with what we do have. What do we have? We have the witness of the the Bible, the witness that Jesus has been raised to life, and that he is bodily reigning in heaven right now, we should accept that as sufficient, and that one day we will be able to hug him in heaven. We shouldn't crave that hugging right now, and that that's what we're after. We hope to be in heaven, and to be with Jesus, and touch him bodily then, but that shouldn't be the focus of our lives now. We shouldn't be always wanting him now in this life, Or continually thinking about heaven and we'll be able to hug him up there. No, that's not our job. We are told, like Mary, do not hold on to me now. You have another job to do. Your job is not to touch Jesus bodily right now. You have a different job. What is that job? Well, it's the same job that Mary has to do. Your job is to tell others about Jesus. Jesus. And particularly these things that we see Mary is told to tell others about Jesus. What are those again? Well, that Jesus is back to life. So you go to your brothers, just like she does, to, your, uh, to other Christians out there, and continue to affirm what they already know. Tell them Jesus is bodily resurrected. Tell them that Jesus is, has ascended to the Father in heaven and is reigning right now. Tell them that they are brothers and sisters in Christ for believing in his resurrection. Tell them that God who made everything is alive and well and is their God. So be like Mary, go to the brothers and tell them that. That's why I tell you, as Christians, you've you've heard, you've read through John 20 before. But I continue to affirm it to you week after week, I will say these kinds of things again and again to familiarize yourselves with what we know, that Jesus is resurrected, that he is ascended and reigning right now, that he is your father and your God. And I want to encourage you as Christians to do the same thing. Don't want Jesus bodily right here, right now. You have another job to do. Encourage the Christians around you that he's resurrected, he's ascended, and that he's their father and their God. But don't just tell your brothers and sisters, like Mary did here. Tell the world the same message. Tell non-Christians that Jesus is bodily resurrected. He came into this world He died on the cross, but he came to life again. It is historical fact. The Gospels are historically reliable. And there are other evidences outside the New Testament that also point to the truth of this fact. The resurrection is true. If you still have doubts about the resurrection, ask me afterwards and I can give you some helpful little books for you to read about the resurrection and why it is historically true. I'd be delighted to do that and give them to you. But I want to encourage Christians to do the same. Tell people about Jesus' bodily resurrection. Tell them that Jesus Christ is reigning at the right hand of God now because he ascended 40 days after his resurrection, about 2,000 years ago. He is there reigning right now. And then tell them the wonderful truth that Mary told the disciples, that they too can be part of the family of God. They can call Jesus their brother. They can call God, not just God, but Father And that God who made everything can be their God as well. Do you do that as a Christian? Do you tell other people this truth, that they can be part of the family of God? If they repent of their sins and believe in Jesus Christ's death for them, their sins are paid for and they become part of the family of God. Do you do that? And do you plan to continue doing that if you do? This afternoon, you're probably going to some family gatherings or at least with friends. Are there going to be any non-Christians there? Have you been praying about seeing them this afternoon and that you might have an opportunity to share what Easter is all about, about Jesus' bodily resurrection? I encourage you to do so. And if you're not a Christian... I want to just emphasise one last time to you that Jesus is bodily resurrected. I want to do the job of Mary right now. She is, uh, he is bodily resurrected. He has ascended to the Father and you also can be a child of God right now, this moment. How? You have to admit that you're a sinner and be sorry for your sins and ready to turn from those sins and then trust in Jesus Christ, death for you, that at the cross he took your sins upon his shoulders and all the good that he did with his life is carried over to you and God now sees you as righteous through the work of Jesus Christ at the cross. If you're not a Christian, I encourage you to do that right now. Repent of your sins. Say to God you are sorry for rebelling against him and that you trust in Jesus' death for yourself. And then you automatically become a child of God, the God who made everything, and you become a sister or brother of Jesus Christ. He is your older brother and he looks out for his brothers and sisters, and you come under his protection. I encourage you to do that right now. Let us speak with God. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this marvellous part of your word where we see Mary's affection for Jesus Christ, how much she loves the Lord Jesus, And her obedience to Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that job that you gave her to do so many years ago and that she did it so well. That she did not think of what she wanted to do, of hanging on to Jesus, but thought about what Jesus wanted her to do. And she did his will. Lord, we pray for us this morning. We pray that we may be like Mary. We may delight to know that Jesus is bodily resurrected But we may also remember that we are not called to be with him right now as much as we would like to be. But we are called to be here and know him through your Holy Spirit. But we have a job to do of telling others about Jesus, that he did come back to life and that he has ascended to be with you and is reigning right now in heaven. And Lord, we thank you that we can also tell people not this message and then they are outside your kingdom, but we can tell them so that they too can become your sons and your daughters and have you as their God. Lord, we pray that we may do so as your believers, that we may tell people this marvellous message that we have. And we pray again for anyone here this morning who has not believed that Jesus is bodily resurrected, not repented of their sins. Lord, we pray that you may touch their hearts this morning as only you can and bring them to repentance and faith. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen.